0: Grab your Bibles, grab anything in which you have a Bible app on, hold it up high, and repeat after me, this is my Bible, Bible. the Word of God. God. And inside, inside, God tells me the plans He has for my life. He tells me how much He loves me, even even when this world world tells me that I am not not lovable, and I shall be. All that, all that God desires for me to be because His Holy Spirit, God, His Holy Spirit dwells inside God, of me. Inside and of me. This, and I this, this I proclaim in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, you all better get your praise on because I would tell you this, if you have a louder voice tonight or this evening because you're watching some grown men throw some pig skin back and forth and, 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 I, and I, just, I just want you to remember this. Everything you're looking at on television, those men, that's some going to, listen, some are going to excite you, some are going to let you down tonight, all right? But those men, the pigskin that they're throwing back and forth, and the very turf that they're running on, God created all of that. And, and, and you know what's funny about it? Everyone's going to be praising all of this creation. The man, how fast he ran, how hard he hit someone, how long he laid on the ground. Oh, look at that amazing turf. Some of us are going to get uh, just impressed by how far the ball went, where it landed and whatnot. And through it all, we're getting all excited about all of these little creations. But no one's thinking about the creator. And it's funny because all those people can gather together. And listen, if, if, listen, some of the people in the stands are Christians. And it's as if they have duct tape on their mouth at church. But somehow, they can give some honor and some praise to some pig skin tonight. I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying. And by the way, guys, one more thing. Uh, you want to see us. Listen, I, the most packed stadium. You haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Brother Glenn. Listen, the most packed stadium that you will ever see, you have to read about it in Revelations chapter 4 and 5. And, and, and wait till you see him on the throne and the whole stadium behind him. It just goes. But, hey, you, you go on, you, you celebrate the pigskin, uh, but I, I'm telling you, I'm excited about him. Uh, so I hope you get your praise on as we go through God's Word. So if you don't mind, 1 John, 1 John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. By the way, uh, 1 John is in the back. If uh, The easiest way to find it is to just turn to the book of Revelations and make a hard left, hard left, to, you know, just make a hard, sharp left, and you'll find the book of 1 John, all right? So 1 John chapter 2. And I'm just going to uh, read a a, a few of the verses, uh, verses one through six, and we're going to focus on verses three through 11 though, but for context, I'm going to read verses one to six, beginning at verse one in first John chapter two, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By this, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever follows his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. And today we're going to talk about love leveling up, love leveling up, uh, because I believe as believers, we have to level up, uh, level up with one another, level up. Uh, with where we are and where we need to be. Uh, I, I want to make sure we read this um, and look at this particular passage within proper context. And you have John who shares this letter with us. And by the way, John is also, uh, the Apostle John is also the author of the Gospel of John, he's also the uh, human author of the book of Revelation. He is the one that the Holy Spirit inspired to pen this particular letter. And John, he writes this letter and he starts off in verse two by saying little children and don't be put off by this statement, little children. It's a term of endearment coming from John. John is uh in an older man now, and John at one time when he was called, selected by Jesus Christ, he was uh, the youngest of the other disciples. He was either in his late teens or early 20s when he was called, and he was the one that you read about in the Gospel of John that says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was just John's way of saying, I know that he loves me. Uh, and John now is writing this particular letter, and John is somewhere in his late 80s. Uh, It's around 85, 90 AD, and so John has aged, and so to everyone, because of John's age, everyone is a little child to John. So John says, little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. John wasn't saying that as a child of God or as a believer, um, because I I wish we could go through the whole book because John is tackling uh, a lot of errors that people had. It was a lot of uh, heresy in the church. Gnosticism was on the run. Gnosticism had started in the first century, and it had permeated through the second. It was going to permeate throughout the second and third century. And so John was tackling uh, this this form of Gnosticism, And, and one of the forms of Gnosticism is that they believe that uh, all physical matter is evil. Only spiritual matter is good. Therefore, because of their belief, they did not believe that Jesus possessed a human body, but he was some type of phantom because in their notion, if Jesus had a physical body, he would have some form of evil in him. And that, that belief led them to believe that because all physical matter is evil, then it does not matter what you as a believer do with your body, with your flesh. is nought and void anyway. The only thing that matters is your spiritual uh, being, your spiritual person. And John, he tackles matters like that and says, hey, that's not the case. What you and I do spiritually and physically, it all matters to God. What you do with your flesh, your body, uh, our works—those things matter. And so John is dealing with some 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 heavy stuff here. And some of these beliefs had uh, poured upon uh, the Christian community because some of them were young in their faith, but even those who are seasoned—you could take a room like this, very well seasoned—if you're not careful, if You have someone teaching you uh, the Bible, but they're butchering the text. It's easy for people to walk away and be misled, especially since many people never open up their Bible on their, their own. So open up your Bibles. John says, Listen, little children, he says, I want you to know this. I'm, I'm sharing this with you. I'm putting it. Listen, the Holy Spirit is leading me to pin this so that you may not sin. He is not saying that a believer is impossible for a believer, a child, a Christian to sin. What he is saying is that as a Christian, you may not be sinless. In other words, it, it's not impossible for you and I to sin because we live in these bodies. The body does sometimes what it wants to do, but the body has to be surrendered to God and yielded to God in order for it to not do the things that it wants to do. You you have to yield to the uh, movement of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit moving in you for the body not to do what the body wants to do. Because if you're not careful, one would go out of his, his or her way to satisfy their flesh And he is not saying that as a Christian, you and I do not have the capacity to sin. As a Christian, we have the capacity to sin just like an unbeliever. Do not tell people that as a Christian, you cannot sin. You can sin. We have the capacity to sin. From these bodies, but he is saying you may not be sinless. In other words, uh, nor and void, unable to sin. But you and I, as we walk with the Lord, should sin less. You you get it? You may not be sinless, but you and I should sin less as we could. You with me so far? Some of y'all still ain't got it. The more you walk with the Lord, don't ever hold your head up and say I'm sinless. It's impossible for me to sin. But it should be less sin in your life because what John is talking about here is habitual sin. Some things that you and I've been doing, those things should actually wean. They should become more infrequent. They should be spaced out more. They should, the, the, the hunger for it should start to go away. The, the, the taste, for the ungodly things, over time, those things should wonder, you know just dwindle down that's, that's what he's talking. It should be sin, you should sin less. He's talking about habitual sin, and he says, and if anyone does sin, he's talking to the believers, If anyone sins, we have an advocate, the far advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What he is saying, an advocate is a defense attorney. He is saying that when we sin, we have a defense attorney that God has put on retainer for you and I, and he is at the right hand of the Father, and that this defense attorney, like the judge himself, God the Father, is a righteous defense attorney. And this defense attorney, he himself is the propitiation of our sin. So what the defense attorney does, what he's saying is, when we commit a sin, the defense attorney goes before the righteous judge. And he says to the righteous judge, "Uh, hey, Joe, sin. Well, the father says to the son, He says, well, how does he plead? How does he plead? The son says he's guilty. Not only is he guilty, but he has done worse than what the charges are brought up today. Then we're talking about the believer. And so what should be the sentence, the judge says to the advocate? The advocate says, death, for death is the wages of sin. And God looks at the advocate and the advocate says, but watch this. He's talking to the judge, but daddy, he belongs to me. (laughs) He doesn't say daddy, father, he he belongs to me. And the judge looks at Joe and says, you know what? Guilty, but guess what? Case suspended, charges dropped. Why? He says the penalty has been paid. And that brings you down to the propitiation. Propitiation has to do with the fact that God's wrath, because since God is a righteous God, when sin sin has to be dealt with, God would not be a righteous God if he did not address sin. We would say, well, he's not loving. Because he's, he's he's gonna deal with me. going I'm being. Ju- he wouldn't be a righteous God if he did if he let it slide. See see we're humans. We let stuff slide and we say we do it out of love. But God is a loving righteous God. And it has sin has to be paid for. It has to be dealt with, and so pretty, propitiation has to do with the fact that the advocate, the defense attorney says, oh, and I have made full satisfaction for the penalty. In other words, God's wrath is satisfied by Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your and my sins, and hold up, it gets better. Propitiation is not only to satisfy the penalty for your and my sin, for death is the wages of sin, but Because he is the propitiate, he fulfills all things that we need. He is also the means by which man is reconciled to God. So he satisfies the wrath of God while at the same time reconciling us in relationship to God the Father. That's what. John is talking about here in First John, but it goes deeper. He says he not only has done that for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, but the Bible says, but he's also done that for the sins of the whole world. In other words, he's done that for every body in the world, but everyone has not picked up their free gift. That, that, that's what it means. Jesus Christ has died for all. But some people are going to, wa- listen, last night, my son and I, we were at a, uh, the Hawks. We were watching the Hawks. And somehow, I don't, I don't, so- someone made some free throws, and everyone won free Chick-fil-A sandwich. They said, all you have to do is pull out your app, and as soon as you open up your app, it's going to be download, on your, uh, uh, um, uh, you had to have a Chick-fil-A app or download a Chick-fil-A app. And as soon as you open it up, it's going to be downloaded on your Chick-fil-A app. And you know what? Me and my son, we were trying to open up our little app. In fact, I couldn't even find my app. I had to download the app. But do you know everyone didn't do it? Many, listen, it was offered to everyone, but some people walked out last night without their free Chick-fil-A sandwich. And that's why they're going to be eating that Popeye's this week. But I'm just, listen, everyone has been offered this free gift, but you got to pick it up. So that is what John is saying. And so John, he, he lays that out in these first few verses. And the next few verses, watch, watch. They, 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 really, they really are simple, but it takes work. Watch what he says in verses uh, 3 through 4. By this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And so the first thing John wants to point out to us is that, listen, God has done a great, great thing for us. There's nothing greater than what God has done for us. And he loves us, and we are supposed to show our love for him and our obedience to him. But here's what I've discovered for me at different times in my life. You may have discovered this too. It's one thing to come to the cross. It's another thing to pick up that cross, deny yourself, and follow. It's another thing to come to Jesus. It's another thing to go all in with Jesus. I remember when my oldest daughter, uh, we heard it with loud sound one night. Everyone was supposed to be asleep. We were downstairs, Uh, my my wife and I were watching television. I heard a loud boom. I know they were all supposed to be asleep upstairs. Sound came from my daughter's room, uh, my oldest daughter's room. And I went to her room, and she was on the floor. And I scooped her up. I said, and she was crying. I said, what happened? She said, I fell out of bed. I said. But what, what, what happened? How did you do that? She said, Daddy, I think when I got into bed, when I got in, she says, I think I fell asleep before I got all the way in. <laughs> and, and that was many years ago. But now I think about that. Do you know that's like us? Like, like we, we, we got in with Christ but we stayed like right on the edge of the bed. We haven't gotten all the way in. Like we haven't gotten all the way in. We haven't snuggled all the way in. And some of us are like sitting right on the edge. And John is saying, look, get, get all the way in. Don't just, don't just get on the edge of it. Because some of us, like we just satisfied that I've accepted Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, you know, I'm going to give him some praise. I'm going to give him some honor. Uh, listen, listen, even on Easter throughout, throughout the United States, throughout the world, many people are going to make a pilgrimage to church. Many of them are believers, but it's on that day they say, I want to give God a little something I, I, because I, I've been on the edge of the bed, but I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable there, but they haven't gotten all the way in. It's time for us to get all the way in. And so John says in these first few verses, he says, out of love for God because of his great love for us, our obedience has to start leveling up. And so in these first few verses, what we see is it's by obligation. The, the lowest level of leveling up in love is by obligation. It, 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 it's, it's the lowest level of our relationship to God. Uh, it, it's not a bad thing. Tell you, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because it does demonstrate that we belong. Uh, I, let, let me give you an example. Okay, so you, you got a young man. Uh, the father tells him he needs to cut the grass. And the young man knows that if he does not cut the grass, that there's going to be uh, consequences for cutting the grass. But the young man, he pouts, he makes faces behind the dad's back and all that kind of stuff. He moan and groan all about it and whatnot. But you know what? He goes out and he cuts the grass. He cuts the grass. Now, he did it because he's being obedient to his father. Many of us as believers, we do what we do only out of obedience. Like we may not want to, but we're going to do it. I don't want to read my Bible, but I know it's the right thing to do, so I'm going to read the Bible today. I don't want to pray, but I know as a believer I'm supposed to talk to the Lord and I'm supposed to listen to him. You know what? Out of obedience, I'm going to come to that worship gathering today and it's Town Road Church. But I don't feel like going. You know, you know. in fact, I don't know if I should go because I heard it's going to start back right Y'all didn't get that part. Start back. It stopped for you to go. But I'm going to go anyway because I know it's the right thing to do. That's the lowest level. It's the lowest level that you can give but it does show that you belong because like that young man who did what the father told him to do, he wouldn't cut the grass if someone else told him to cut the grass. But he's doing it because he knows that's daddy, that's father. And so he obeys because he belongs. And we all have a set of rules and uh, roles in our household. It shows that we belong. In our household, people have different roles that they fulfill, different tasks. Different thing. And it demonstrates that we actually belong, but I want you to know it's like the lowest level that you can present. And that's why uh John is trying to point out, which is why when he says, By this, we know that we've come to know him. I want you to capture that word no. You see that word no? It's mentioned 25 more times, at least 24 more times in this in this book. At least 24 more times. Do you think it's listen, it's a short book too. Do, do, do you think it's important then? So that word must be very important. L- let me tell you a little bit about this word. Th- this word, know, it, it has to do with more than a set of facts. When we think of the word know, that means I have a set of facts. This word has to do with having an experience, a personal experience with him. Okay? When it says know him, it, it, it's, it's, it's the same word that's utilized when it said that Mary the Virgin Mary, she did not know a man. It did not mean from a set of facts that she didn't know what a man was. She had a head knowledge, what a man was. In fact, she was engaged to a man. So she had this head knowledge. Also, it does not mean that she did not know how a baby was made with a man and a woman but the word know means that when it says she did not know a man it means that she had not experienced a man in other words she had not been with the man in an intimate way what the text is saying here is that as believers we are supposed to know God the Father not just a set of facts in our heads but we are supposed to experience him And the only way you're going to have experience with someone, you have to spend time with them. You must be with them. Some of us, we know a lot about him, but we don't know him. How well do you know Jesus? I know you can give me a set of facts. I know you can tell me how you can go back from Genesis all the way up to, to to the New Testament. And tell me prophecies that were given that the Messiah was gonna come. You could say that he was born in Bethlehem, born in the manger. And you could tell me that there was not three wise men there, that was the mad guy. That was, it could have been two, five. Six. You, you could tell a whole lot of set of facts. But do you know him? Personally, he says, many of us we are just obedient off a set of facts but we have to know him in order to keep his commandments. And so the one who comes to know him and does not keep his commandments, does not obey, that's a liar. If we don't do what he tells us to do, we can sit here and say we love the Lord, but we come across as a liar. It doesn't look good if my mom was telling me what to do and I'm a child and I say, I don't listen to no one. I ain't listen to her, but I'll listen to this other person. So who does it look like I belong to? Ask yourself that as a believer, as you go through your daily journey, do you give more allegiance to what God says or to what others says? And when I say others, I mean including yourself. Do you listen to yourself and others more than you listen to God? Because it demonstrates where your allegiance lies. He says we have to level up because that's the lowest level of obligation that you and I can give. And the danger about obligation is that at some point or another, we're going to be, we're actually likely to stop doing it. If I'm only doing it because you told me it's just a matter of time before I stop doing it. And it does not matter who you are as soon as i can figure my figure a way out of it she gone he gone we all gone it has that's the lowest level of obligation so he says in verse five but whoever follows his word one was a commandment but notice this he says his word but whoever follows his word a commandment is i gave you a commandment you do it he says whoever follows his word in him the love of god has truly been Perfected by this, we know that we are in Him. Here, He is saying the next level of motive uh, 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 of of obedience and demonstrating our love for God and leveling up is by motivation. One was by obligation, but this is by motivation. Uh, in verse three, He spoke of obedience, being obedient to the commandments. But in verse five, He speaks of keeping the word. It's a, it's a it's a it's vastly different, and so. The illustration that I gave you about cutting the grass, it looks a little bit different. It looks a little bit like this. I go in and I say to my, uh, a husband says to his wife, sweetheart, I need to cut the grass uh, this week, but I got a lot going on. I need to be prepared for this big meeting going on tomorrow. It's going to take up not only tomorrow, but the next day after that meeting, we have to debrief um, concerning some things on that meeting. but." I'm afraid that if I don't get to it, it's going to look really bad. Yard's going to look really rough. And just then, when the father is sharing this with the mother, his teenage son comes down the stairs and say, Dad, don't worry about the grass. I'll cut it. And the father says, Son, I thought you were going fishing with your friends. Thought you were going to go out. Thought you had plans. I did, Dad. But... I can, I can do that later. Let me get this grass cut. Let me take care of this for you. I got it. Now, I know some of us laughing because that don't normally happen <laughs> in our households, but that's the point. It also doesn't happen in the church. In other words, one can look around the church and see, oh, they got needs for this. They got a need, they got a need, they got a need, they got a need, they got a need. You got a need. <laughs> you got a problem. We don't have a problem. You have a problem. And we just, they, they just keep on moving. Uh, I, can, I can give you an example after example. There's a whole lot of needs at many churches, but any church that seeks to be alive and thrive will not only have a need, it's going to have needs and it will always have needs. A church that has plateau and that's, Dead or dying, they don't have much needs except for just the wait to lock up the doors. But a church that's alive and that's thriving, you're always going to have, listen, you're always going to have needs. You're always going to have someone that it's always going to be a meal that's needed. It's always going to be a little baby that needs to be held. It's always going to need. Always be a student that needs to be taught. It's always going to need to be a house that will actually host some young people. There's always going to be a need. There's always going to be something to fix. always something to repair. There's always going to be, it's always something. That's a knee. Hey, I say it again. I wish I could rewind that clock. Listen, a healthy growing church will always have knees, and it's a good—it's a sign that something is alive. If it's dead and dying, it has no knees. You just wait to kick the dirt on it. But something that's alive will always have knees. Parents, look at me when I say this. As long as your little child is growing, there's always going to be a need for new shoes. Always gonna be need for some bigger pants, another shirt, because they're growing. Anything that's growing is gonna have needs. A car will always need an oil change if it works. Always gonna need to have the ties rotate if it works. But a car that doesn't work, it just sit in the yard. It don't need anything but to be hauled off and taken to the junkyard. Dirt kicked on it. I'm just saying that young man is motivated to do something because he recognizes that he belongs. And so the next level of love and obedience is one was out of obedience, but this one, uh, 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 obligation, but this one here is I'm motivated. And that's why he he lays it down like that in verse five, the word, it motivates you, it pulls you, it drags you, it perfects you. So perfection means to help make something complete. I'm motivated do something that young man uh he's motivated um made made me think i I should probably just remember made me have a flashback of a story I, i think it means something to us today but uh a man was running from a bear and his neighbor was in the yard had a fence between them and he saw the man being chased by a bear and the man who was running from the bear you should have seen his speed he was just moving and his neighbor said, you better pick up your speed. And the man who was running from the bear said, I'm going to speed up, and I'm going to uh, jump on that limb. I'm going to grab that branch. And the neighbor across the fence. He said, you're not going to be able to reach that branch. No way. Well, the man was running, and he jumped up. He missed the branch, but he caught it on the way down. Oh, uh, y'all ain't with me. <laughs> listen, he was so motivated. He went above the branch. He caught it on the way down. Listen, when you're motivated by something, you'll go beyond. That's the, That's the. Whole, listen, if you get motivated by God, the love that you have for your wife, you will go beyond the regular obligation of a husband. Wives, you can... Honor your husband. Men, you can honor your wives just out of pure obligation. But after a period of time, if that's all you're doing it out of, obligation, you're going to stop doing what you do. If you're motivated, you're going to do stuff for him or her, even when others say they don't deserve it. I wouldn't treat that rascal nice. I wouldn't treat her nice. I wouldn't do anything. I don't like, I don't like the way she rolled her eye this morning. Uh, whatever it may be. But that's the second level. But look at this final level. He says this. Oh, and by the way, I do want to warn you of something. I, I specifically chose it from Revelations 12, 17. It says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandment and hold and held to the testimony of Jesus. In other words, um, those who do the work of God, those who are motivated to do the work of God, uh, those are the ones, usually, you can recognize that they're doing God's work because you see the Satan going after them. If you're comfortable, and you're always comfortable, and you're a Christian, and you don't feel any heat, it might be because Satan said, I <laughs> ain't got any bother them. They're doing it all for you me. Know, like, you're not motivated. Satan goes after those who are motivated in their love for God, and they demonstrate it. Uh, but I, I just wanted to point that one out to you. But Here's the next level of uh, that de- just, just showing our love and our uh, compassion, I mean, our love for God, but also our allegiance to God, uh, our obedience to God, and that is by demonstration. Look at verse 6. In fact, it's verse 6 through 11 where it says this. The one who says that he remains in him ought to himself also walk just as he walked. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an in- old. Oh commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And now we're looking at the highest level of service and our love for God. And notice, uh, he, you have to we do some things out of obligation. We do some things out of motivation. But here he is saying, do it by demonstration. Do it by demonstration. Notice he says that we are to walk like Jesus walked. And so when you start to walk like Jesus walked, it has to do with our behavior, but it also has to do with the changing of our belief system. How we behave is an outcome of what we believe. What you and I do is based upon what we believe. It is very difficult for someone who is struggling with something mentally. If they believe that they can fly, they literally believe that they can fly, then it is necessary to keep an eye on this person because with that belief, they are likely to jump off of something that's extremely high and hurt themselves. Many people have been admitted into a place that can minister to them because of what they believe and what they believe leads to some poor behaviors. Some of those behaviors can be fatal. What we believe says a lot because it actually impacts how we behave. What we believe about Jesus and as we Learn more about Jesus in His word as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, it should have an act of transformation in us and cause us to behave differently and we should walk like Jesus walked just as He walked. So is Jesus loving? Jesus loved all people Jesus. Compassion. Jesus prayed and praised for others. Jesus was generous. Remember the compassion and the generosity he showed towards people even when they were hungry and it looked like there was no food. Uh, He was compassionate. He was generous. He was kind. All of these various things. But what Jesus is most known for was his full allegiance, obedience to the Father. We should walk as Jesus walked, and this is out of demonstration. In our workplace, in our schools, in challenging places where there's darkness, because in verses 7 through 11, he expounds upon verse 6. He elaborates from verse 6. When you're in a workplace, and that workplace got uh, a lot of ungodly stuff going on, A lot of ungodly conversations around the water, cooler at the table, wherever it may be, ungodly things in the school. Uh, When you're around this, you and I have to be careful not to get caught up in it. And so I wanted to show you guys something, and I'm going to get ready to close. You know I got to call Pastor JC again. (laughs) But Pastor JC, just help me out right here for a moment. But you got to do this by demonstration, okay? So, uh, so if, if if you don't mind, uh, Marcus, would you help me out for a second? And Marcus, if you don't mind, would you just stand right there on that floor, just right there? There you go. Yeah, just stand right there. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, he didn't ask to catch me, uh, Miss Cynthia. Miss <laughs> Cynthia, would you help me and just stand there with Marcus? Just stand there with Marcus, Mr. Liner. Would you help Mr. Marcus right here? And Mr. Glenn, would you help Mr. Marcus right here? Just, just, just stand. If you, if you don't mind, just, just stand right there with. Yeah, just, just stand right there if you don't want to. And Miss Carolyn, would you help me out too? Right, real quick. I just need a little help right here. Miss Maddie, could you help me out? Just a little bit. Yeah, just, 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 just help me out right there. All right, and, and, and. And, and by, by the way, I just Marcel, would you help me for a second? <laughs> just just help me out one moment. And JC, if you don't mind, would you just walk the stage back and forth? And JC, if you don't mind, every once in a while change how you walk, your step. Hey, you can skip if you want to. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just keep walking. You keep walking. And if y'all don't mind, just. Face that crowd and talk to each other. Face, and y'all just talk to each other. (laughs) JC, you keep moving. Y'all keep talking. We talk about Let me ask y'all something. Where am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be up there. But I'm here. This is verse 7 through 11. At the bottom right here. Not to tell in of verse 11 but I'm supposed to be at the tail end of verse six. You keep on walking. The text says, I walk like Jesus walked. I try to behave like I heard he behave. I try to live out the characteristics that he lived. Now listen, it doesn't mean... You're many God. It means that Jesus, who is 100% God, but also 100% man, and he, in that 100% man, he always pleased the Father. Why? Because he was obedient. And so he walked and did according to God's will. And the Bible says, according to verse 6, we're supposed to do the same thing. Now, you all keep talking. Come not you You just... Sometimes, though... We get away from verse six. Shadow talks, dark talking, backbiting. We get in all kind of stuff. I can, I can, as a Christian, now I'm supposed to be walking. I can get over here the water cooler talking, and I can start talking about you know, you know, brother Jerry don't do his work. He doesn't, do, and we carry slack. They need to fire the rascal. <laughs> Mark, that's an opportunity for us to make a few extra dollars. Oh, really? No one would know it, okay? Mm-hmm. No, no one mm-hmm. would know, and you and I would be better off for it. Yeah. I could. Do- Man, look at that woman over there. do well, get me in that one. <laughs> don't put me in that one. He said, he said. don't put him in that one. <laughs> don't go there. I Ain't that neither. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get away from them time. <laughs> I can get right here. The brother could say, "You know, I go to church sometimes. You know what? I believe those church folks just a bunch of hypocrites." No, they're not. And he <laughs> says, "No, they're not." And you know you what? You need to come with me. Yeah, he said. I need to, and here's the thing: if they're a bunch of hypocrites, guess what? You fit in perfectly anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You all can see I can keep going down this line. But where am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be up here, and when I stop walking with Jesus, I get pulled away from every single thing, which is I'm going to close with this. You all saw me do this two years ago. It's the reason, out of love, I want you guys to feel, listen, I want you to feel the burden of sharing the gospel. I want you to remember over the last four or five weeks, I've been talking to you a lot about sin. I've been talking to you a lot about this good news that God has provided to us the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and my sins. He was buried. He rose from the grave. And you and I, if we put our faith in him, that is our belief and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we shall be saved if we admit that we are a sinner and believe and believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Believe in the person and the works and confess him as Lord. Listen, the Bible says we can be saved. But do you feel that burden of sharing the gospel? So I want you to remember this. JC, don't go anywhere. So, Just remember these words I'm about to say to you. We have an obligation, right? To demonstrate our love for God. And it has to be beyond obedience. We have to be motivated and we have to demonstrate it. And we demonstrate it with our words and we demonstrate it with our actions. Because honestly, many people don't care what we preach if you don't actually practice it. And sometimes we put what we preach before we put our practice out. But I want you to practice what you preach. Okay. And so here's the thing. Always remember that as believers, we have to make sure that we're living it out so that we can faithfully and with clarity share this. M-E-S-F-A-G. We have to share this once again. <E-S-S-F-2> <M-E-S-S-F-2> A-G. To the whole world. The whole world needs to hear the message concerning yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. The whole world. The whole world needs to hear this. G-S-S-S-A-G. About Jesus, everyone has to hear that message. But some of us feel like we can't share the message because we think too much about ourselves. And we think too often about uh, stuff that we have done, but God has saved us from a whole lot of M-E-S-S. And we forget over time. (laughs) See, we all got some mess. We all have mess. But thank God that God provided to deal with our M-E-S-S. Epicenter. That someone, that someone over time, and we would not, listen, we never would have knew about Jesus! unless someone had shared the M-E-S-S-A-G-E that saves us all from our M-E-S-S. But some of us still think that we cannot be saved because we have allowed our M-E-S-S over time to just simply We. We, we have allowed our mess to age so long that we oftentimes do not think that God can save us. And unfortunately, we even make a mistake. As believers, we are so busy pointing our finger at the world about their mess, and we're not focusing upon that we forgot that God, listen, God, the first work, that great, great God, work that God did for in this body. Before before I can, that makes me uh, happy and excited and just full with, uh, just, uh, listen, I can't even explain it. I'm filled with the fire to tell you about what God has done for M. Because you, ah, uh, see, listen. <laughs> <clears throat> l- listen, you will be more compassionate about sharing the M-E-S-F-A-G if you can just remember what God has done for yeah. E. Focus on me, me. me. Re- Remember, listen, remember, remember that name, Jesus. And because of what he has done for us, we should feel obligated, we should feel motivated, and we should be willing to demonstrate it in our words and our actions. And when, before we even open up our mouth, people will always remember the e S. A. G. of. Jesus. Th- thank you, guys. <laughs> Listen, pray with me, but be compassionate. Be compassionate. I want you to. I can't express it enough, and sometimes I have a hard time getting my words out. Sometimes I get a lot of, too excited, and uh, I. But I can't tell you enough. The sharing the gospel. You should, be, you should feel bold to do it. Don't be afraid of what people are going to say or look at you because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. He, much as he loves you, he wants to show that same love to other people. And he loves you so much that God says, I not only saved you, but I also want to use you. I want to, and if that doesn't move you, the fact that God wants to use me, And I always joke about it, uh, but, I, I, but I'm very serious when I say it. If you knew me in my earlier days, if you knew this, knew these things, you still have vote me out of the church. None of us would be a part of the church. So don't just look at me, all of us. But some of y'all say, I want to know what the preacher did. You, same thing you did. There you go. That's your, that's your answer. Check, check that box. Okay? But God, God has saved the believer. And once again, we have an advocate who speaks on our behalf. And so the least we can do is be obedient to him and demonstrate it with our words and our actions. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord, for a house of praise. Thank you, dear Lord, for a house of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for a house of song, a house of service. And Lord, I ask right now that you would soften hearts, open minds. If there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, we pray, Father, that on this day they would surrender their life. But if also if there's anyone here today that already knows him, but recognize that they need to level up in love, that they need to be surrendered to what you have done for them in their lives, the movement of the Holy Spirit who wants to work in them. And because of that great care and concern that you give us, I pray, dear Lord, that they would surrender their all. And Father, follow, follow that inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I also pray, Father, that you would give them strength to demonstrate that they are in a love relationship with you. Not just with facts or set of facts, but with personal experience. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen.